In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Lord says today, the children of this world are wiser in their generation than the children of light. At first glance, we might be at a loss to square today's parable with today's epistle. The apostle tells us that if we live according to the flesh, we shall die. But if by the Spirit we mortify the deeds of the flesh, we shall live. We are reminded of another passage today of St. Paul where he speaks of those who mortify the flesh. For it is possible to do so, but not do so for God. This is what we hear about leading up to Lent. St. Paul tells us all run the race, but only one receives the prize. He says even athletes, even in ancient times, would undergo all sorts of fortifications, abstain from all sorts of foods, practice the most rigorous penance, as it were, on the body, but in order to build muscle, mortifying themselves from their sensual desires so that might, they might obtain another worldly goal. All these, says the Apostle, labor for a corruptible crown, but we for an incorruptible. Our Lord then invites us today to consider such persons. We are all very much included among such persons. The children of this world, he tells us, are wiser in their generation than the children of light. We see then it is very wrong to suppose that the Apostle condemns simply those who are hedonists, that is, those who obey their passions and allow no place for reason whatsoever. That would be the case of someone who immediately after the high mass today were to sprint down the stairs before everyone else, I dare not suppose the age of this person, in order to consume all of the donuts before anyone else could. This, yes, would be a case of hedonism, simply obeying one passion without the slightest regard for reason. This is not the case of most people. Most people are not pure hedonists. Nevertheless, we are warned against this by the Apostle today. Most people are more like what in ancient times were called Epicureans. That is, careful and clever planning must go in to the indulgence of the passions so that we can make the most of them. Be careful not to have too much of one thing at any time because it will impede you to enjoy other sensual pleasures at another time. Eating all the donuts downstairs would immediately make you sick. But eat enough so that your passions are satisfied. Being mindful of other things too, though. Vanity, for instance. How it will make you look if you consume too many. Which then might impede your prospects for a marriage. All of these things must be taken into careful consideration in the Epicurean philosophy so that we can always get the most out of this world. 
Our Lord has these people very much in mind today when he says, look at these people. Look how careful and clever they are in the use of their passions in order to enjoy life to the full. They are much wiser in their generation, he says, than the children of light. For if we consider all for which we labor, all which we hope to enjoy in Christ, how immeasurably greater it is than the pleasures of this world, how much more should we be aflame with the greatest and most lively concern to mortify our passions in order to obtain our incorruptible crown. In this life, we are all appointed as stewards. This has been the case from the first. Our first father was appointed steward of creation. Each of us is indeed a steward. We are even stewards, we might say, over one another. For the apostle tells us we must owe nothing to anyone except that we love everyone. Owe nothing to anyone, he says, except that you love one another. All of us will be called to render an account of our stewardship. For in a day and an hour that we know not, our Lord will call us, saying, Render now an account of thy stewardship, for thou canst be steward no longer. You might suppose, then, that today's parable is simply here to offer us a last-dish effort, a way out if we have not been leading a Christian life, if we have not been mortifying the flesh up until our dying day, is this a final escape route? Can we say with the steward, to dig I am not able, to beg I am ashamed, but there is one thing left? No, that is not the meaning of today's parable. It is not simply a last escape. We must be mortifying the flesh. However, we recognize that in all things we fall short of the law of Christ. In all things, at the end of each day, we must recognize on bended knee that we are all unprofitable servants. And so we might well dread the judgment day where our Lord has told us that we shall be called to give an account for every idle word that we have uttered. Who could possibly stand such a terrible judgment? Well, today we are told that if we are shrewd, if we are wise as serpents but simple as doves, as the Lord tells us to be, then this unworldly wisdom, this supernatural wisdom of ours, will tell us that we must already be preparing for that judgment day by settling accounts. And the one way our Lord has given us to do so, the way of imitating our Savior, the way of mercy. St. Francis de Sales, debating with the Calvinists of his time, went to great pains to show that a very strong reading of this parable is that we must care for the souls in purgatory. This is clearly a way in which we can show mercy toward others. Indeed, by the grace of God, forgive others in God's name. 
Here on earth, this can only be done by the priest in sacramental confession. But as for the souls in purgatory, their sins are forgiven. They are already heaven-bound. But as for the relief of their punishment, they can do nothing more on their own. We, however, can merit for them the relief of their punishment. We can settle their accounts for them now by praying for them and offering sacrifices and obtaining indulgences for them. This argument of St. Francis de Sales is certainly very strong, but it can be applied as well to how we must show mercy here and now to those who are still on earth with us. Of course, we cannot forgive people in God's name for the offenses they have committed against God, unless it be in sacramental confession. However, we may show mercy on others for how they have wronged us. And inasmuch as we perceive them to be poor sinners who have gravely offended God, we can in our own prayers remind God that we are wretched sinners just as they are and beg God on this account to have mercy on them just as he has mercy on us. What else can be the meaning of that great petition of the Our Father? It is only in this way that we shall ever be able to bear that judgment day when our Lord will, as our judge, if we have practiced mercy, look on us with that warm smile we await already and say, well done, good and faithful, good and merciful servant. Enter the joy of the Lord. Amen.